pray for guidance and wisdom for Lydia and also the doctors who are, uh, she's dealing with and all. Pray for them. Pray for her. Thank you, Lord. Two things. Let's pray. And then with permission to pray for Patsy's back and also Mary's back. Okay, can we do that? Yeah. Father, thank you for these that have, have been mentioned, these that need healing, these that need wholeness, these that need strength, power, and also healing in the name of Jesus. We pray today for those, everyone here. We thank you for what you're doing, what you are and will continue to do because the Bible says that... Uh, this is the confidence that we have that he who began a good work within us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So what you started, Lord, you're very much committed and faithful to completing what you started. And we know, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. And we thank you and praise you. Father, we pray for grace and we pray for favor for these that are in need today that have been mentioned. We pray, Lord, that your direction would be given to those who are seeking your divine wisdom and also that you would touch us, that you would speak to us. Dear Lord, we believe and, and trust today. Show us your glory in this place. And we ask that your glory would rest upon every person in this place. But dear Lord, in this short time together, we just ask you that we would go forth into the harvest that we believe is, is ready. And, and dear Lord, today that uh, you would send forth the laborers that the harvest would be brought in. We pray, Lord, that the beginning of our worship, Lord, is just during this time corporately. But, dear Lord, we're to worship you each and every day. And you're looking for worshipers. We ask you to do that today. So we bless you and we praise you. And we thank you for all the wonderful things you've done. And, dear Lord, today that you abide in us and we abide in you. And, dear Lord, today your presence goes with us wherever we are. Help us to be reminded of that, that we're not alone, that Jesus is with us. And we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, today for what you're doing, what you will do, and what you have done. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray for Patsy. And Patsy, if you'll stand out here. And also Mary. And also we want to pray again for Dolores. Remember, we do not stop praying. And I've not had Lord lift a, a, a particular need from, from my heart to say he's never told me to stop praying. Okay. And sometimes healing is, obviously, many times is progressive. So we continue to pray. Mary, if you'll come forward also and let us pray for your back. And Dolores and her eyes, okay? Dolores, if you'll come over here too. And anybody would like to pray, let's pray. We'll lay hands on them. The Bible says that we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He sent out the disciples two by two. He sent out the 72. And then the one, 120 went forth, okay? And uh, we just right now speak healing to, to each and every these ladies that are in need. Dear God, we praise you and thank you. Anybody like to pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come to you. We praise you. We know that you have answers to all of our needs. We ask that you would bring a warmth and a comfort to Patsy and Mary that their, their lower backs would just relax and know that your hand is there, that your hand is comforting and your hand is healing. Thank you, Lord. We praise you that you heal, that you love us, that you care for us. Thank you for the many times 
Thank you. You've answered our healing prayers, and we ask that you bless them, that that healing would come swiftly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You right now speak to the back here, Patsy and Mary, in the name of Jesus. And we speak the alignment to come back in to what God created these ladies to have in their spine and in their back, dear Lord, in that area. We speak against inflammation, pain. We command pain to go. We command healing in Jesus' name. Release, Lord, the power of your spirit in these ladies' lives. In Jesus' name. We speak healing to Dolores' eyes in the name of Jesus that the tears would come back exactly the way you created them to be, the tears that don't evaporate, but the tears who stay in her eyes and give her comfort in the name of Jesus. We speak that to you right now, Dolores, in the name of Jesus. We command healing to her eyes, that her, her vision would be crystal clear in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More of you, Holy Spirit. More. More power. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your anointing. You're here right now. We thank you. And we believe for healing for these. And dear Lord, today, and we ask that you would impart hope to their hearts because when we're in pain, we get weary. And when we can't see, we get discouraged. Lord, we ask you right now, we command the healing power of the Lord for these. The backs and the eyes, every part, the skeletal part of Patsy and Mary in the name of Jesus, the skeleton being brought back. Thank you, Lord. The, the, uh, the tendons, the muscles, all coming back in, into the uh, normalcy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Let your power come upon them. And we pray, Lord, for Dolores, that she would be released from this dry eye the medical community says certain things we don't believe that we hear it but we don't receive that we believe for complete healing for her eyes bring them back let the tears flow Lord the right type of tears in the name of Jesus we praise you thank you Holy Spirit we speak that to those eyes to the Lord's eyes we speak to her eyes in Jesus name right now release that in Jesus name Thank you, Lord. We honor you and praise you. I pray that you would impart hope to these ladies' hearts. Lift them up. They've got, they've got responsibilities. And, and dear Lord, we know that we don't want anything hindering your work and what you want them to do because you've got plans. And you've got things mapped out. And they want to walk in your will. Thank you, Lord. You know their hearts. And dear Lord, you're... In, you're so pleased with them. You're so pleased with them, dear Lord, that we can't even, we cannot comprehend that, how, how your everlasting love is towards us, each one of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for bringing healing. Touch us, oh God. Remove the pain. Remove the discomfort. Remove these things, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. We believe you, and we thank you for healing. We praise you for healing. We right now honor you for healing them, Lord. We lift you up. We give what we have this day in our lives to these ladies and to prayer and believe in you for things. Thank you, Lord. We believe we've come. We're honoring you, Lord. We want to honor you. 
You're the great physician. Thank you, Lord. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. Oh, Lord, we ask you that you would just in this whole thing that, dear God, you would just receive, receive the glory and honor. This is about you. This is about you. Lift them up. Encourage their hearts this day. Lift them up, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. We ask you, release your spirit right now. And them, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, put, put, put your foot in there. <laughs> I know you should have. You just put it in there. Put your foot in there. Like the hokey pokey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to, Gov is going to read verses 1 through 15. Uh, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Praise God. Thank you. Um, we know the story of feeding of the 5,000. I've been talking about the miracles of Jesus, talking about and how they apply to us today. It's very important in understanding that. There are a couple powerful principles here that I want to get across today that is real, I think, so important here. Something wonderful is happening here. I'm 
Uh, I'm, I'm talking about here uh, the problem. Now, you thought I would talk about the solution. So what did he do? I mean, he's faced with 5,000, and actually they believe with the men, the women and the children, there could have been what some estimate 20,000. Think about it. How many this church holds? This church can probably put about 120 to 130 people here, and this place is packed out. And we've had it packed out before for funerals and different occasions and so forth, and I believe that it will be packed out in the future because of what God's doing. But we're looking for that, and that's my vision. But I think about, say, 20,000 people, how many people that was, and what was happening at that particular time. Of course, they didn't have a 7-Eleven, or they didn't have a stop-and-go, or a Valero, or any of those types of things that they could say, go down and get this and that. They didn't have a Kelly's. They didn't have any of those types of things, or a Cracker Barrel, or any of that. They were out there in the middle of nowhere here. And over 5,000 hungry people, and there was nothing to feed them. Now, think about it. When I'm faced with a problem, and maybe it's uh, the same with you, it's hard for me to see anything wonderful about it. What I usually see is another demand being placed on me, and frankly, I wasn't looking for another demand. I was looking for a little relief. Has anyone here noticed that life can get a little demanding? And it seems like here we go again. And you think about it. You know, how can you think of a problem as being uh, certainly in God's plan to give us a solution? Uh, I look at a problem again. It's like, oh, me, here comes something else. And sometimes when it rains, it pours. It's one thing after the other. It just seems to bombard me. I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. And what was happening at this time is the disciples and Jesus, they had been ministering to the people. And so they were tired. And you and I, you know, just in the hectic pace of life today and the, 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 the pace of that life, that you're tired. You're ready to go to bed when you get home at night. I sleep real good at night. I really don't have a lot of problems sleeping. And so the demand was going on here. And they were in great need of rest. And Jesus knows he can't go to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration because the Jewish leaders are laying for him there. They want to kill him. And Jesus loved his father's house, and he loved the Passover feast because he, more than anyone else, understood the full significance of the Passover feast. But we have already seen what has happened when he attends. Here are four Passovers in the book of John that date Jesus' public ministry. First of all, there's one, uh, the Passover feast in John chapter 2, 13, uh, 2, few months into the public ministry. In John chapter 5, there uh, in one year plus a few months. In John chapter 6, uh, two years plus a few months. In John chapter 13, there three years plus a few months. In John 2, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, and a terrible confrontation with the religious leaders ensued. If he goes to the Passover, he knows he'll be killed a year early. So in obedience to the Father, he avoids that situation. And certainly here, I believe this is seen as his humanity, but also his humility and willing to do the Father's will no matter what. He waited upon the Lord. Remember when uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead and talked about? Is that he waited during that time. Instead of rushing up there before Lazarus died, he waited till Lazarus died. And then he went. And remember Mary and Martha, they both said, If you'd been here, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. And yet Jesus purposely waited until he had died. And he said it was all to bring glory and honor to the Father. 
Let me tell you something. If we don't get anything else out of this today is, is believe and trust God's timing is perfect. You believe somehow that you've been left out of God's plan. You know you have a destiny in Christ. You know God has a plan for you because His Word tells us. And sometimes in that waiting upon the Lord, we feel like, man, I have missed it altogether. And maybe not because God's timing is perfect. He has us to wait upon the Lord, not in inactivity, but actually doing His will and, and drawing closer to Him that He may draw closer to us. And so believe that God has a personal plan for you and me. Believe that when things are put on hold that we cannot understand, believe that his, there is a purpose behind it. Okay? You know, you've had to wait. Remember, there is a purpose. He is individually involved in your life and my life, and He has a plan. It is a perfect plan. If we'll wait upon Him and seek Him and not try to do it, get out on our own and wait upon Him, we'll see the divine will of God taking place in our lives. Here we see, you know, during this time, John the Baptist had recently been beheaded by Herod. It was the best of times and the worst of times. The worst of times because of the persecution and the bloodthirst in Jerusalem against God's prophets. The best of times because of the awesome ministry taking place. It's the same today. We are living in the best of times and we're living in the worst of times. We see the darkness beginning to creep up more and more. Oh, believe me, you. And it seems to be, we've kind of looked at the government, seem to be, things seem to be a, a little bit better, and maybe there is, uh, there'll be some type of collaboration or kind of a, a talk, peace talks between the United States and North Korea, or there may be that our economy is beginning to, to take off and, and, and these things, and we see that, and, and we're encouraged by that. And that's nothing wrong with that. But remember, below the surface there is, the darkness is still increasing in the United States of America. Things are getting worse. So we're living in the best of times and in the worst of times there. Jesus had sent the disciples out two by two in ministry, and they've come back with exciting reports, remember? He said, even the demons respond to us. And remember, Jesus said, don't rejoice in that but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life, okay? Rejoice in the fact that you are saved and you're safe and secure in the hands of God. That's what he said. He said, yes, do these things and go out and minister in the power and unction and, and anointing of the Holy Spirit. But don't rejoice necessarily in that. Rejoice that you're a child of God and you know where you're going when you take your last breath. And so these disciples were sent out here and there's uh, the wonderful thing we see happening today, and we're talking about the, uh, it, it, it is a mixed bag. But we see ministries beginning to increase. But then again, we go on the other side, we see persecutions. We're seeing things happening. There are Christians around the world that are being killed, being martyred, and they're being persecuted. We haven't seen the full extent here in the United States yet, but I believe that will come. The United States is not exclusive. I believe that God's amazing grace has, has come back. I believe, like I said in Sunday school this morning, I believe that the United States has been given a second chance. I believe that somehow or another you and I are called to repent and to call upon the name of the Lord. And, and, and we can stand in the gap for people who have no idea and have no interest in God at all. And, and God saying, our prayers can change things here. Whenever the church is persecuted, 
There are miracles that take place every time. God's power is shown in the first church in the book of Acts. We see that today. The ministry team's exhausted. They're tired. They cross the Sea of Galilee to a place to try to find rest here. So as they are crossing the pe- over, the people on the shore recognize the boat there. And uh, with great enthusiasm, they run after Jesus. So guess what? When they arrived at their bed and breakfast, there were people already there waiting for ministry. Many others were to follow. So instead of resting, Jesus ministered, and he taught them the word of God, and he healed the sick. Now, they were really tired, and so they moved back from the crowd to, to rest on a hillside. And, and Jesus looks up, and here they all come. They're all coming at him again there. And so we see here the disciples suggested, what did they suggest? To send the crowds away. What do you and I do when we're faced with a problem? We're like, let's just forget it and procrastinate. Push the problem back. I don't want to face that problem. I'm not looking at it as a wonderful chance for God to display his power. I'm not excited about this problem I'm having. I'm already loaded down with other demands of life. Just the the simple things there. But yet they said, uh, let's send this multitude away. That's the first response they gave. Now, here's the problem. You've got 5,000 men. And Matthew tells us besides the men, there were the women and the children certainly there. And again, it was about 20,000 people. We really don't know. But we know that there were more than 5,000. And all these people are hungry. And they need to be fed. So what are we going to do about this impossible situation? I mean, think about it. All these people have got to be fed. Nobody, obviously, except for one, we'll see, a little boy comes up with his lunch. And so Jesus does not immediately give a solution. If you've been frustrated with God's timing in your life there, you you know you've got a problem. You say, Lord, I know you know I've got this problem here. And yet Jesus looks at you and asks for a solution. Think about it. In verse 5, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? You know, when you and I have a problem, God looks at you and says, what are you going to do about it? And I'm going, I'm coming to you with my problem, all right? I'm coming to you. I don't have the resources here to be able to solve this problem. He looked at Peter and said, what are you going to do about it? Peter probably went, well, huh, huh, Lord, what are you talking about here? So why does God allow you and me to be confronted with such hairy problems in our lives? I don't know about you. But there have been times in my life when I'm thinking, Lord, are you just trying to find out my breaking point? Sometimes I feel like the old farmer that said this, and I'm saying this with all respect, but listen to this, who was going through some hard times, and he was praying, and he just told the Lord, Lord, I'm not surprised that you have so few friends the way you treat the ones you have. Okay? You remember... That God is not after our happiness. Remember this always. He's after our holiness. And sometimes the refiner's fire gets hot. And he begins to burn things off of us that have been our lives for years and years. And through those trials and tribulations, God uses it for his highest purposes. And I'm talking about his highest purpose. And that's, that's the, the point that we want to say. You know, we're saying, Lord, I mean, you know, if you do this to your friends, what would happen with other people that are not your friends? So it is. It's a time that we will ask questions about, about this. And I hear poor Philip. He's thinking, why me? I mean, there are 11 of, 11 of the disciples. Have you ever thought about that? How come I'm get, having so many problems? 
How come it's just me? I'm, I'm the one. Everybody else looks like me. They're doing good. Look at the neighbors. They're prospering. They got the cars. They got the houses. They got all this. They got the kids. They're neatly dressed. Everything is going along fine. They don't have health problems. They don't have anything. They don't have any worries in that. And sometimes you think, boy, have I been singled out? If, you know, if some, God put his finger on me. You know, in that. Have I done something or is there sin like Job and, and Jerry talked about it in Sunday school with Job and, and stuff. And, uh, and then his friends came along and they weren't, they weren't real friendly. They said, basically, you got sin in your life, Job. You better, I don't know, then you have to confess before the Lord. Sometimes just things happen we don't understand. But we'll ask the Lord, why me? Why is this happening just to me here? Because Philip is tired. I'm absolutely sure that Jesus could have solved this problem without pulling Peter and uh, Philip into it. And I know you, Guard, too. He, can, he could just say the word and the people would be fed. Sometimes people get the idea that following Jesus is the way to avoid problems. I don't think so. Ask Philip. Ask Paul. Ask, ask John as, they, as he sat on the Isle of Patmos there and wrote, wrote the book of Revelation. Following Jesus doesn't eliminate life's problems, but it does sanctify them towards God's purposes. And what is God's purpose? To conform you and me into the image of Christ. It gets painful sometimes, too. Now, I'm not saying all that is certainly <clears throat> of the Lord and so forth, but he can turn it. Romans 8, 28 says he can work all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you're not to pray against it either. I'm just saying he can take those really terrible things, that opposition in life, and he can turn it around. He can do something in our lives. Now, I don't ask it to be that way in my life, and maybe you don't either. Certainly, we don't. Job didn't ask for it either. But God can turn it around. And do it if we'll trust him with it here. He asks, obviously in verse 6, the full revelation as to what God's doing in your life and mine. He asks this only to test him, it says. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus wasn't trying to get Philip to come up with a good solution. As if Jesus needed that. Remember, when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He already knows. And sometimes, you know, we're like... Whoa, Lord, I, I need to help you out here. I need to think for you a little bit more on this and so forth. Because somehow you're confused. Somehow you're not, you're not doing it right. And this is what we come up with. You'd never say it like that, would you? But sometimes down in our hearts, we act that way. When God's getting room, wanting to do something powerful. Jesus asked a question to engage Philip with the problem. To lead Philip through the learning experience. It's the design first to remind Philip of his own inadequacy that it's need for the Lord, and then to position Philip to discover God's adequacy in this behalf. If we come to a place and saying, Lord, my back is up against the wall. I, I, can't, I can't go on. I have no way out. And you know, that's when God's power is released. When we feel like I have no way out, I'm confused about this. It doesn't look like you're anywhere to be found, Lord. And yet God comes through. He begins to shine through in those situations. And many times it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The problem exposed Philip to Philip. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Now, your problem is my problem. We find ourselves trying to decide what to do about it. Does God know what he's going to do about that problem? Did it take him by surprise? Is it too big for him? Is he out of solutions? No. The question comes to you and me as it came to Philip. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? How are we going to pay the mortgage? 
How are we going to take care of that teenager? How are we going to take care of this situation? How are we going to take care of the health problem that we're facing? Or whatever the issue may be. We begin to examine those things. You know, we struggle for an answer just like the disciples did. And maybe we should just somehow send the people away and let them fend for themselves or something to eat. Take the problem and hand it back to them. But why wouldn't Jesus accept that solution? And Mark chapter 6 is the answer. It says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You see, God has compassion on those. And he has compassion on those who are not his children. He loves people. And he has compassion on them. And that's the way we should live. We're, we're learning actually about that renewed mind on Wednesday night and thinking like Jesus. We have the mind of Christ, but sometimes we don't uh, somehow put that mind of Christ in, in, into motion. We're positioned with the mind of Christ if you're saved, but sometimes we don't think that way. We think like the flesh thinks. We don't sow to the Spirit, we sow to the flesh. And so we don't think the way Jesus. We don't see people the way Jesus sees people. We don't do what he tells us to do. We're bogged down in life and here the wheels are turning and somehow, you know, it's like, man, I'm overwhelmed here and we've got another problem. And yet, Jesus, this is a wonderful chance to display my glory. Oh, man, we don't see it like that, do we? Are you, you know, here you think about it. In verse 7, Peter answered him, well, you know, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough bread for them to have just one bite. We ain't got enough money to gather here amongst all of us to try to buy something. They wouldn't get anything but a bite here. We're totally here. And what, Jesus, what Philip should have said was, Jesus, I don't know how we're going to solve this problem, but I'm sure you'll come up with something. Instead, he was wrestling with his own inadequacy, trying to, to be adequate for the situation. You know what I'm talking about? Andrew steps forward. Listen to this. When he hears himself say it, he probably halfway laughs at his own proposal. We've got this little boy here with the five small barley loaves and two fish. And these are not big French loaves of bread. And they're not big pieces of fish. They're sardines. I personally like sardines. Don't get around me after I've eaten them. But I like sardines. And actually, sardines are real good for you. Don't you like cheese and crackers and sardines? But they're little. They're in that can. Alice doesn't like it, no. And neither does Betty. But I like it. I like them. I love sardines. Don't eat enough of them. They're supposed to be one of the, the, the best fishes for you, or fish to eat, uh, certainly here. But I'm not going to get into to a dietary sermon here, okay, before you. You know, he's coming forward, and he probably says, I don't even know why I'm saying this. This guy, this little boy's got like his lunch. He would eat that for lunch, and, and I'm giving this to Jesus here. You know, think about it. These guys got a big problem. And they're not coming up with any great solutions at all. But Jesus does have them engaged in the process that he wants him to go through. When Jesus has us and we begin to walk through this, we come to the solution. We begin to pray. We become, begin to see that we're totally inadequate. We are inadequate in life. If we really get down to it, we are. It's the power of God within us here. And so how does the problem get solved? What process did Jesus walk these disciples through that a miracle would come first? forth. The first thing is the disciples are faced with their own inadequacy and humbled by that certainly here. He's going to involve them in one of the greatest miracles ever recorded in human history here. They would look back amazed that God graciously let them be a part of the solution. You ever thought about that? When God uses you 
in whatever situation you're in, and a miracle comes forth. Aren't you amazed that God would even give us a second thought to allow us to be a part of that solution? I am. When somebody gets healed or whatever happens, or even to, to share the word of God, I'm amazed that God could use the simple things of a simple man to change people's lives because it's not me. It's the Spirit of God. It's Jesus. And so I'm amazed at that always. The second thing is they gave to Jesus what they had. Listen to this. is most important. The little boy handed Jesus his happy meal. This is given sacrificially. When you're a hungry boy, that is sacrificial giving. So how was he impacted by the encounter with Jesus Christ? What did he do when he grew up? How was, his, was he influenced by being a part of that, that experience? I want to tell you, he was probably influenced the rest of his life. He probably, I'm sure he never forgot it there. These five barley loaves and the two sardines constitute a very humble beginning for feeding over 5,000 people. Sometimes we look at a problem and we're paralyzed by its magnitude and possibility there. You think about it. But all God asks for us is to give him what we have. He never asks for more than that because he supplies all of the rest. When we minister to people or when we are in situations, all God asks us because he many times he uses us in doing those miracles. It's his power in us. It's his presence in us. But it's to, to certainly to test us to see whether or not we depend upon him, first of all. And then he, all he asks from you and me to give what we have. You go, but Jim, I'm not real gifted. Maybe you say, well, others are more gifted than I am and so forth. No, but you have gifts. You have the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, living in you, and living in me. And all he asks is that we give what we can give. You know, maybe somebody is in need, whatever it may give. You think about even the food pantry that I refer to a lot. You know, when we get down in our supplies, something happens. It turns around. We give what we give to the, the, uh, to the county of Galveston. And we give and give. And then God just replies. And now it's in Brownsville and other times. And thanks God, we give what we give. That's all you can do. Because God has a plan for you. God is working in your life. And so we see here that we know God will do the rest if we'll give what we're... We uh, give. The answer is usually in the house. The answer is here. You don't have to look outside. The answer is really many times sitting right here in this room. Do you realize the ministry and the potential of each and every one of you in this place called Lighthouse Fellowship, this corporate setting that we have? We have a powerhouse in this place. You're a powerhouse in God. Let me tell you, I encourage you in that. You can do all things through him who strengthens us. And God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He will do that if you'll begin to give. Remember the lady, because uh, uh, um, this just came to mind, but um, Old Testament, and her, she and her son were getting ready to die because they were starving. Was it Elijah that came in the oil? Remember, uh, she had some oil, and they kept, Elijah kept pouring the oil and filling it up and filling it up, and it never, until she ran out of containers. It's the same way with God. He'll fill you up and fill you up and fill you up until, when you begin to give yourself away, and when you begin to give away the, the, the house, give away the store, when you begin to minister to people, you give what you got. Watch what God does. 
Watch what he does. What we get, we get so bogged down just by this world. And God is saying, give what you have. Watch God supply that. Watch him multiply that just in this story. This story is not some type of fairy tale or a myth. This actually happened. This is who God is in our lives. But also we see the fourth thing, verse 11. Jesus exemplified an important principle in this miracle process. He looked up towards heaven to the Father and he gave thanks. He publicly acknowledged God's goodness and provisions. He publicly acknowledged his dependence upon the Father. He thanked God for the little that he had in his hand, and he consecrated it to the Father. Then he used what he had. Why do I stand up here Sunday after Sunday and say, testify to what God has done in your life over the past week? Why do I do that? I've mentioned it several times. The reason I do it is when you begin to testify as to what God has done that past week is because miracles begin to happen. Miracles happen as a result of the testimony of God's people. And I'll I'll come in. And sometimes, you know, we're kind of like, Jim, I just got here. I just got here. Let me get the fog out and the cobwebs out of my my mind and so forth and all. And I'll kind of linger sometimes. The reason is, is because when you speak of the testimonies of what God has done in your life, the church is edified. The church is lifted up and encouraged today. And what did Jesus do? He took those barley loaves and those sardines and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks to the Father for what he had. How many of you here today, you say, well, I've got so little, and you're saying, I need more and more, and nothing wrong with asking God, but it does mean that we give God thanks for what we have. Hallelujah. We give thanks. We give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And he thanked the volley. He got these standing there going, I've got 20,000 people here, and I've got just a little handful here. He didn't say, what am I, how am I going to feed them? I'm I'm wringing my hands. And see, our problems today that we have, or whatever the issue is, is not so we've got to remind ourselves, God's not wringing his hands in heaven wondering what he's going to do. He knows exactly what to do. It doesn't mean if somehow you've fallen upon some really tough circumstances, does God somehow back off because the circumstances are getting tougher in our lives? No, he draws nearer. He draws close to us. And we need to keep that in mind, certainly. The fifth thing, notice the disciples' involvement here. We need to, obviously, God could do it and right immediately, but he involves you and me. Isn't that a mystery? Why would he use you and me to speak truth to people? You think nothing happens. Sometimes I get a word of knowledge or a prophetic word and nothing, there's no response on it. And it could be wrong. I can be in error, certainly. And I, I, if God shows me, I repent. But let me tell you, sometimes there... It, it, it takes a while. It, it takes a time. You don't always see the immediate results of what God is doing. We want instantaneous everything. We're a microwave society. Pop it in, pop it out. Many times God doesn't work that way, does he? And we think we missed it because we're all getting older. <laughs> uh, young people even talking... Cindy saying, oh, we ran into a lady that uh, yesterday at the Children's Museum downtown. And she, uh, Cindy goes, we were sitting there, and a lady, young lady and her family walked past us. And Cindy said, that's Jessica. I went, Jessica? Jessica. Hairdresser. 
And I, I go get her. She's run, walking out the door, and I said, Jessica. And she turned, and I, I said, ma'am, are you Jessica? And I looked at her, and I knew it was. And she said, yes. And she, I said, you remember me? And she looked at me. She was the lady that cut my hair about 20 years ago. Well, I had hair back then. <laughs> she looked at me, and she was very nice and said, oh, no, and just hugged me and everything and stuff. And um, uh, she, we began talking to her, and Cindy came out, and we carried on a conversation. We knew her quite well, mostly probably because your hairdresser knows more about you than anybody else in this whole world, doesn't she? Don't they? Because you tell them your life story. You're sitting up in there, and you're hoping they give you a good cut. And you're talking and talking and so forth. And Jessica's one of these ladies could talk to a barn door off of a barn, okay? And she was talking, and she told Cindy, she said, you know, she, it's been 20 years. I know it's been 20 years, hasn't it, hon? It's been about 20 years. And uh, yeah, we sat and talked on her, and she goes, went on. She goes, you know, I'm 46 years old right now, 46. She said, and you know one thing I realized? I don't have the energy I used to have. And I thought to myself and Cindy, both of us, like, you don't have the energy? Wait till you get to be our age, okay? Trust me. It goes downhill. It's all downhill from this point. I don't have the energy. <laughs> oh, obviously, God is just saying that he wants us involved. He wants us to be available, and God will use us. The sixth thing is the miracle didn't stop until the need was fully met. Everybody got full. God's not short on resources. He's not stingy. He's abundant in what he does. may not be what you want, but he does. He takes care of us, doesn't he? He's provided. Look at Harvey. And look at the people. And look at the, the, the stress and the strain and, and even the continued trying to complete and be restored and, and get back in and all this. The length of time goes on and on and on and on. And yet, look at the number of people that volunteered in the midst of a crisis. Look at how God worked in that situation, to, in a crisis situation, to help people out. God, obviously, says he's got, he's got it all. He owns it all. The cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. Means he, he's, he's over it all. Remember what this. You know, when you face that problem, and it looks like it's an impossibility, it looks like there's no way that you'll ever get through this. Remember, God owns it all. He can multiply. If you give him what you, what he, what you have, and all of us in this place today have something to give, he can multiply it. That's the beauty of God and his miracles. Want a miracle in your life? Tell him about his, tell people about his goodness. Tell people about how his love for us is, is never ending. Tell him about his amazing grace, the people that's saying, you know, I, I was, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm a saint too, but in that sense, and I need his grace every day. Tell people, humble yourself and share. You watched the barley loaves and the fish in your lives being broken and multiplied. Isn't that good news? Isn't that encouraging? He's got it all. My father. And, you know, I'm a king's kid. I'm a kid of the king. I'm a child of God, and so are you if you're saved. And I, 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 he's going to take care of me. You take care of your children. You do anything for your children. You lay your life down for your children. That's just exactly what God did. 
He supplies us, takes care of us during that time. The last thing is, is that <clears throat> he's never wasteful. Pick, pick up what's left over. Now, I still believe, you know, with those, with those 12 baskets there that were left over, um, disciples had enough to eat, had plenty to eat, a basket full. Sometimes I can eat, I can go to Kelly's and eat a basket full. But be careful getting out the door when I'm full like that. But the main thing is don't be wasteful with what God has given you. You've all been given gifts and talents. You've been given um, the power of the Lord. Don't be wasteful with it. Use it. Isn't that great? And you know, the more you use it, the more you'll fill up. I've always told you about my mother. She always had a little uh, place in her wallet. And I, she'd open it sometimes because she wanted to pay for everything, and she would. And I'd always say, well, Mom, I'm a, I, I need to help. No, no, that's my blessing is to do it for you, you boys, my family. And I'm going, I'd look in there, and she'd open it up in her wallet. Where you open it up, it's, it's empty. She had more stashed away underneath <laughs> one of those little, little folders. That's the way God is. You think sometimes he's empty? No, he's not empty. He's full, and he wants to fill you also. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, how exciting it is to live in these days and times, maybe the, the approaching time of the king, Jesus. We don't know, Lord, but get us ready. I believe that preparation is taking place. And, Lord, maybe a sense in our hearts that it's beginning to accelerate. Things are beginning to pick up steam. And we just pray, Father, today, knowing that we're used by you in the same way as we extend ourselves into other people's lives, the miracles of God will come forth. We believe that with all our heart. We know that we've seen it and will continue. Help us to give what we have. And Lord, let you do the rest. We ask you to bless this congregation. I pray today, there's no limit to your spirit. And I pray your spirit, and right now in the name of Jesus, would fill every person in this place. I pray for a fresh baptism, a fresh infilling a fresh unction, a fresh anointing, that people would go forth from this place encouraged, that you would impart hope to their hearts because, dear Lord, we sometimes get weary and we know the enemy tampers with our hope. And so, Lord, today, bless this congregation. I bless each one of you in here in the name of Jesus. I bless you with peace. I bless you with prosperity. I bless you with the, the richest blessings of the King. His name is Jesus. And we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you.